Well, welcome to The Crossing. So glad that you are here today. Have you ever been locked out of your house and no matter how much you knocked, somebody did not open the door for you? Every now and then in my family, when somebody in the family goes out to grab something in their car, they go to get the mail, we'll lock the door on them, lock them out of the house so they're knocking. We kind of think it's funny. I don't know whether it's funny or not, but we kind of think it's funny. When my kids were very young, Darla was coming home with them, and my middle child, Corey, my daughter, she had done something. I don't know what she had done, but she got in trouble. And so Darla told her, when we get home, you need to go to timeout. Well, she was about three or four years old, so Darla gets home. She pulls the minivan into the garage, unbuckles her her seat. She says, well, you need to go to timeout. So Corey goes out of the van, goes through the door, locks the door, and then goes up into our bedroom, which is where she went to timeout. Well, for some reason, Darla didn't have a home key with her that day, and so she's out in the garage with the other two kids, and she starts knocking, and you understand this if you're a parent, she starts pounding the door, and she starts threatening, you better open this door right now, or I'm going to do something to you, and she kept knocking. Well, nothing happened. She does not come because Corey's in timeout. She's told not to come out of timeout. She's like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to stay right here. Well, this is the day before cell phones. So Darla went across the street to our neighbor, and she called the house knowing that the answering machine would pick up, and she could talk to Corey through the answering machine. So she calls from the neighbor's house. The answering machine picks up. She says, Corey, you need to come down here right now and open this door. And I don't know what kind of threat she made her to get her to finally come down, you know, just hoping because she was kind of at her mercy that she was going to come unlock the door. Now, our neighbor thought this was the greatest thing ever. You know, she just thought this was great. But that describes how some of you feel about prayer. This describes how some of you feel about prayer because you feel like God has shut a door and has closed it no matter how hard you knock, he's not opening it. And Jesus understood this frustration. Jesus actually addresses this because he knows that all of us will go through this and there's nothing wrong with you. This is just part of life. We're starting a brand new series today called On the Parables. Last week, we finished our series at the movies, and we looked at the greatest stories that Hollywood has to offer. But over the next six weeks, we're going to look at the greatest stories that have ever been told. That Jesus would tell these parables to help us understand who God is, who he is, who we are. He would tell parables to help us understand the kingdom of God. That this is what God values most. This is what God thinks of you. This is how God values you. And today we're going to look at a parable where Jesus talks about prayer. Because for some of us right now, you're standing in front of a door that seems like the biggest barrier in your life. And Jesus says, this can be the greatest opportunity for you. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 11. That for the disciples, they grew up in a culture where they were taught how to pray. They were Jewish boys who grew up in the synagogue, and they were taught how to pray in the synagogue. They were taught how to pray at home. And so this would have been something that they learned at an early age. But when they got around Jesus, there was something different about Jesus' prayer life that they were drawn to. And in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, it says, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. 
That as they're watching Jesus pray, I don't know if they were off in the distance looking at him, but they knew there was something different about Jesus' prayer. They're watching him going, my prayers don't work like that. You know, we must not be doing it right. Can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Jesus teaches them what we call the Lord's Prayer. Now, this is a, just an abbreviated version of the Lord's Prayer because the Lord's Prayer that you know is in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. I think that Jesus probably taught this prayer often. I think that there was more than one occasion where he teaches this prayer. And this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, it's a prayer of surrender. And it's the end of this prayer that he's teaching them how to pray that Jesus tells a parable. And he addresses the frustration that we all feel about prayer. Then Jesus said to them, verse 5, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no bread to offer him. So let me just kind of give you a scenario here for just a minute. Let me just kind of turn the tables. And you have a friend that comes to you. You're in bed in the middle of the night, and they come to you because they've had another friend who's journeyed to their house, and they don't have anything to serve them. Now, you would think, now, that's your problem, not my problem. You know, it was rude for them to come to your house, but don't be rude by coming to my house. Now, Jesus says, just imagine this. Now, you're thinking maybe what the disciples are thinking. They're going, I thought we were talking about prayer. What does this have to do with prayer? Jesus goes on and he says, and suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Well, to help you understand this, in Middle Eastern cultures, that their families, that they would all sleep in one room on a mat together, and going to bed was a big ordeal. The women would usually get the little girls together first, and then they would put the boys down. They would get them all tucked in. They would turn off the oil lamp, lock the door, and get into bed. And so you couldn't just get out of bed and run to the door. It's more complicated than that. To help you understand maybe what this is like, the best way to understand this is if you've ever been tent camping with your entire family. When my kids were little, we used to take them tent camping. And if you have ever done this, you know how complicated this can be because you all have to go to bed at the same time. So you go to bed at the same time, you get the tent zipped up, you tuck everybody in, and you get to the edge of the tent, and then you know what happens. You wake up at 3 a.m. and you have to go to the bathroom, and you don't know what to do. You're like, I cannot go back to sleep if I have to go to the bathroom. But if I get up, I'm going to wake up everybody. I'm going to step on somebody, and everybody's going to be woke up. I mean, it's just complicated. Well, this is how it would have been. This is how they would have felt. This guy is in bed saying, don't bother me. Don't bother me. And if I get up, it's going to wake up all of the kids, and I'm going to have to wake up the women so that they can get bread. Just go away. I can't get up and give you anything. In verse 8, Jesus says, I tell you, even though that he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, well, at least he used to be a friend, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. 
Because of your shameless audacity, this phrase right here is actually the reason that I chose this parable to teach on. This is the only time this phrase is used in the entire Bible. Maybe some of your translations translate this persistence. But this right here is a great translation. Shameless audacity is exactly what this word means. You know, that, that I know it's rude to keep knocking on the door, but I'm still going to ask. And finally, out of frustration, you're just going to say, oh my gosh, okay, I'm getting out of bed. You wake up your wife, you get the bread out, you unlock the door. Now the whole family is awake and you say, here, here's this bread, take it and just leave. Well, this is an interesting parable. Because usually when Jesus tells a parable, you know that somebody in the parable represents God and somebody represents you. Like the prodigal son. You know that the rebellious son is you. That we represent the rebellious son and God represents the father who's waiting for you to come home. And we love that parable. We love parables like that. Well, this parable is a little confusing. Because we must be the guy knocking on the door. Because this is a parable about prayer. And prayer is like knocking on the door to talk to God. But that would make God, this grumpy old guy inside saying, don't bother me. So the point must be that when we pray, that God does not want to be bothered and he just wants to get rid of us. Let's go ahead and close in prayer and let's just leave right now. (laughs) See, if we were honest, for some of you, this is your view of God. Well, this is not the point of this parable. This is not a parable of comparison. This is a parable of contrast. Jesus' point is, is that the grumpy old guy will give in because of persistence, because of shameless audacity. How much more can we expect from our Father in heaven who loves us, who loves you, who knows what you're going through? Well, Jesus goes on and he says here in verse 9, He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. See, the significance of this verse is not that there's something mysterious about asking versus seeking versus knocking. Jesus says this in three different ways for emphasis, that the Father wants you to ask and seek and knock, to ask and seek and knock, to ask and seek and knock, and to not give up. Now, Jesus is going to give us a picture of our Heavenly Father, because remember how he started this parable. He started this parable because they said, teach us how to pray, and he taught them the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer just starts out, our Father in heaven. Now, this is the most intimate of titles, our Father. Jesus was speaking in Aramaic. In Aramaic, it's the word Abba. Jesus uses the word Abba, where we got our word Daddy. That Jesus uses the most intimate words for a father. That this is your Daddy. This is your Father in heaven who wants to have a relationship with you. And he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Well, the answer is none. There is no loving father who would ever do that. If you then, though you are evil, this just means imperfect, that you're imperfect, that you know how to give good gifts to your children. 
How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In Matthew, when he tells this, it says, How much more will your Father give you good gifts when you ask him? That Jesus is saying is that even though those of us who are parents, <clears throat> even though that we are imperfect parents, we love our kids so much that we will give them whatever they need. And Jesus addresses what frustrates us most about prayer. Whether prayer is a normal part of your life or you only pray as a last resort when it's an emergency. Jesus addresses this idea of how we struggle so much. It's because God doesn't always answer our prayers in the way that we want our prayers answered. And I'm so glad that Jesus addresses this because our tendency is to think that there must be something wrong with me or God must not care for me or maybe God doesn't even exist. And we begin to, to contemplate this and we just stew over these things. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable that is very similar to this one. He talks about a widow who goes to a judge for justice, and she keeps going back in until he finally gives in. It's called the persistent widow. And Luke gives us the main point at the very beginning. Here's what it says in Luke 18. It says, when Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. See, this right here, this could change everything for you. So what do we do with all of these prayers? What do we do when we pray and we don't seem like that God is opening the door to us? Here's this big idea, is that you pray and do not give up. That you pray and do not give up. That you keep praying, you keep seeking, you keep asking, you keep knocking, and you do not give up. One of my favorite stories is of the 1985 Chicago Bears. They had one of the greatest seasons in NFL history, and the team was coached by Mike Ditka. Their players became household names. There's Jim McMahon and Walter Payton, Mike Singletary, The Fridge, and they became famous not only for what they did on the field, they became famous for what they did off of the field. They had what they called the Super Bowl Shuffle, which was this rap that, as you watch it today, was not quite as cool as we thought it was back then. But during the season, there was a pastor by the name of John Casas who was the team chaplain. So on Sundays at the game in the morning, he would do a, a chapel service for all of the players coming together. And as John tells this, let me just read this. It says, Mike Ditka was about to deliver a locker room pep talk one day when he looked up and saw defensive tackle William Refrigerator Perry. How could you not see him? At 338 pounds, the fridge stood out even in a group of pro football players. Ditka gestured to the fridge. When I get finished, he said, I would like for you to close in the Lord's Prayer. And the coach began his pep talk. Meanwhile, Jim McMahon, the brash and outspoken quarterback, punched John Casas. Look at Perry, McMahon whispered. He doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. Sure enough, Perry sat with a look of panic on his face, his head in his hands. He was sweating profusely. Everyone knows the Lord's Prayer, says Casas to McMahon in disbelief. After a few minutes of watching the refrigerator leaking several gallons of sweat, McMahon nudged Casus again. I'll bet you 50 bucks Fridge doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. As Casus tells the story, he stops to reflect on the absurdity of it all. 
Here we were sitting in chapel betting 50 bucks on the Lord's Prayer. When Coach Ditka finished his pep talk, he asked all the men to remove their caps, and he nodded to Perry and bowed his head. And it was quiet for a few moments before the fridge spoke with a shaky voice. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Casas felt a tap on his shoulder. It was Jim McMahon. Here's the 50 bucks, he whispered. I had no idea that Perry knew the Lord's Prayer. There is so much confusion when it comes to prayer. Because some of our prayers get answered and some of them don't. And we wonder, are we doing it right? Do we have this all together? It is such a mystery to us. So does this mean that we just keep pestering God until we get what we want? Is that what prayer is about? I think it's deeper than that. I think it's, it's more than that. It's not about getting what we want. It's about what God does with us when we begin to pray. It's about what God does in our heart. See, here's this principle. That you pray and do not give up. That you pray and do not give up. And this is what some of you need to hear today. Because the truth is that you are ready to give up. You have been praying some desperate prayers that just seem to go unanswered. And you thought, why wouldn't God want me to pay my bills? Why wouldn't God want me to have a good job? Why wouldn't God want me to find a mate in my life? Why wouldn't God want me to do well in school? Why wouldn't God want my marriage to make it? And you're ready to give up, but not just give up on prayer. You're ready to give up on God. And this is a reminder to pray and do not give up. You pray and do not give up. See that when you begin to pray with shameless audacity, when you begin to pray with this persistence, it's not praying for something. It's praying through something. This is where some of you are right now, that you're praying for something really hard in your life. And God said, I want you to pray through something, saying, God, we are not going away. We are going to ask and seek and knock. We are going to pray and not give up. I heard one quote this week, is that the power of prayer isn't in the one who prays. It's in the one who hears. The power of prayer is not the one who prays it. It's in the one who hears it. It's that God wants to do something in your heart. See, this is God saying, now that I know that I have your heart, I'm ready to respond. That God is not bothered by your persistence. God is not bothered by your shameless audacity. Jesus says that God is honored by it. And sometimes God is so moved by our prayers that he gives us exactly what we ask for. What have you been praying for that you're ready to give up? What have you been praying for that you're ready to give up? And instead of praying for something, how do we begin to pray through something? How do we begin to pray through that moment? God, I'm not going away. I'm going to keep asking and seeking and knocking. I'm going to pray and I'm not giving up. See, I think the truth is that part of prayer is that we don't completely understand it. 
And I think the bigger issue is sometimes we don't even know how to pray. We feel like when we pray, we just bring this shopping list to God. God, just help me, keep me, bless me, protect me. And we just feel like it's just this shopping list. And so we kind of just talk ourselves out of it and go, and God doesn't want to hear my shopping list again. Well, I want to teach you how I pray. This is a tool that I have used for many years, and it's based on the Lord's Prayer. It is a, it's a way for me to focus my prayers because I'm just like you, that I get distracted just like you. For some of you, you think that I have a special connection to God because I'm a pastor. Let me assure you that is not the case because I struggle with my prayers just like you do. But this is a tool that I've used to help me pray through these situations in my life to help focus my prayers. And when you leave today, we're going to give you a prayer card. On one side, it has the Lord's Prayer. And on the other side, it has this main verse today, pray and don't give up. And it has the, this tool that I'm going to teach you. That this is something that we just want to help you as you're trying to pray through whatever situation that you have. And the tool that I use is just the acrostic acts, like the book of the Bible, A-C-T-S. A stands for adoration, that I'm going to begin my prayer focused not on me, but on God, on Him. I'm going to focus my prayer on His love and His holiness and His power. The C stands for confession. It's confessing my sins and asking for forgiveness. The T is for thanksgiving. It's learning to be a person of gratitude, thanking God for providing for me, for working in my life. And then the S is for supplication. It's praying to God to supply my needs and to supply the needs of the people who are in my life. And here's what I want to do to kind of close this time together. Then instead of just talking about prayer, I want us to experience prayer together. I don't want to just talk about it. I want us to have this opportunity to go to God and experience it. Listen to these words of Jesus again. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus goes on to say that your, your heavenly Father wants to give good gifts to his children. And he wants you to ask. So I want to have this time where we experience prayer together. So I'm just going to ask you just to bow your heads. And I'm just going to guide you through a prayer moment. We're just going to take this acrostic. And I'm just going to guide you through it. We're going to start off with adoration. That God deserves to be honored and followed. So I want you to spend just a moment declaring how great God is. And maybe you just were, use the words of Jesus, not my will, but your will for my life. Now we're going to go into a time of confession. The Bible says if we confess our sins that he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins. The Bible says that, 
that he will remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. And part of confession is acknowledging our sins and being completely honest with God. The Bible talks about a moment of examining ourselves. And so I want you to begin to confess your sins to God. Maybe it's something that you've said. Maybe it's something that you've thought. Maybe it's a sexual sin. Maybe you've been dishonest. Specifically name that sin to God right now and ask for forgiveness. Now we're going to move into a moment of thanksgiving. That when you experience God and His amazing grace, the natural response is gratitude. Maybe God has provided for you, provided you for you financially in a relationship. Maybe God has seen you through a tough time. Maybe it's just a moment to thank Him for saving you for your salvation. Express your thanksgiving to God right now. Now we're going to move into a time of supplication, asking God to supply our needs and the needs of those in our life. And it's just saying this, Heavenly Father, I need you to, and you fill in the blank. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a boyfriend or girlfriend or your kids. Maybe it's an addiction that you're trying to overcome, and every day is a battle to stay clean and sober. Maybe it's a financial worry or a job. Maybe you're facing a big decision and you just need guidance. Ask God right now for whatever you need in your life. God, we come to you wanting a relationship with you. And God, the truth is there are so many times we feel like we're standing outside the door and we're knocking. And it seems like you've just closed the door and won't open. So God, we are making the declaration today that we are going to pray and not give up. We're not going to pray for something in our life, God. We're going to pray through something, knowing that what you do in us is more important than any answer we could get. So, God, today we give you our needs. We ask you to be present in our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.